the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Great to be back together. We have a great show today. In a few moments, we will talk with uh, Don Queenie, who is one of the uh, men and women, one of the group of people who is working on Reach Across America. Reach Across America, you may know of it. You may have seen it. It's an organization that started in the early 1990s. It really started as a movement where one man who made reads from up in Maine, had some extra reeds, brought them down to Arlington Cemetery, became a family tradition for a few years, expanded it to this major philanthropic effort. Now it's this incredible national effort, wreaths across America. Uh, second or third week of December, as I recall, they uh, honor uh, the fallen... Uh, and veterans, not just the fallen veterans, not just those who died in battle, but all those who are now deceased and uh, with a wreath on their on their graveside. It's a wonderful thing. Incredible images. And have, oftentimes it happens in December. And in Arlington Cemetery and some of the East Coast cemeteries, you'll see these images of snow with the wreaths, and it's wonderful. Well, the um, Don Queenie is going to tell us about an education effort for this uh, organization, Wreaths Across America, that's taking place uh, place in San Diego and in and around San Diego and uh, Southern California. So you want to check that out. Uh, we will also visit with the Noah Dingley man, our producer, who is now becoming a star. Uh, he got out from behind the microphone or got in front of the microphone or got out from behind the uh, the uh, digitizing set there as a, the producer and has been joining us a few weeks ago to join us today. We'll talk with Noah Dingley. All right. So first, let me encourage you visit ProAmericaReport.com. Sign up for the daily email there, but also get yourself uh, clued in on some of the key moments, the key arguments, key things. You know, I do a live stream video every day on YouTube, Facebook, uh, Twitter, You get 9.45 a.m. Uh, East Coast time, and it posts up there and sits there so you can go find it. It's about 10 to 15 minutes. And I try to preview what you need to know. And I spent a good chunk of my time today talking again about uh, James O'Keefe and Project Veritas. Because not only, first of all, it's almost, um, it's almost uh, uh, there, there's so many lessons to be learned about this situation. So let's go through what's happened. Project Veritas, the citizen journalism uh, organization founded by James O'Keefe, went ahead and, and got some undercover video of some senior employees at CNN. Uh, one, I shouldn't say some, one senior employee at CNN saying in many, many different ways and, and very directly that CNN was targeting Trump to get him out of office and that uh, they target Matt Gates and they have this uh, sort of and, and, and sort of laying bare that CNN is a partisan player, which everybody knew. But it's different when you hear someone on the staff say it. So that's what happened in the last two days. But the, so that's a major story. I mean, having that come, you know, this isn't a situation where it's like um, somebody's saying, look how slanted CNN's coverage is, or even, look, uh, Jeff Zucker gives to Democrats and likes to hang out with Democrats. That's the head of CNN. No, this is CNN 
technical director, which is a guy that is, he's not exactly the executive producer or the guy in totally in charge, but he's not the guy uh, opening the front door. He's not a security guard. A technical director means he's in the room at CNN. There's dozens and dozens of people working on any um, of the shows, and he's in the loop and in the meetings and all the stuff. So, you know, this is not a small time thing that he says this. Should be a major story. Sort of is a major story, but it's not being covered as such by most media. And lo and behold, the second shoe to drop is Twitter shut down James O'Keefe. And when they did, they said it's because he ran a bunch of fake accounts, which he said is a lie and he's going to sue them. But here's the thing. What, it, what do you think when you see that one of the major center-right conservative citizen journalism groups... Project Veritas, comes up with a scoop on CNN that hasn't been refuted. So you have, you know, uh, uh, you can't you can't call Project Veritas a a uh, mainstream media outlet. You can't even call it a mainstream news outlet. You can't even really call it a uh, a kind of dominant news outlet. It's kind of a niche, but it's a f- an effective niche. And as I said earlier and I said yesterday, James O'Keefe, one of his virtues is he keeps showing up. He's not gone away. He didn't do two years of this and then go on to a book deal and retire. He's, he's slogging away and fighting through all the stuff. So he's around. So he's a player, whatever size player you think. But what does it mean when Twitter, a big tech giant, sides with CNN, a big media giant, to shut down somebody who says something different than what at least you got to think they want the story to be? I mean, I don't think CNN wants uh, the story to be, and they don't want to answer questions like, are you guys actually impartial? Do you even try? Are you actually rooting for Trump? Are you talking about how to shade things Trump's way? Are you One of the things that was revealed in these uh, in the Project Veritas uh, videos was that this, this technical director said, we're going to switch over and start calling it climate emergency instead of climate change because we're trying to change how people feel about it. So what, you know, first shoe to drop, Project Veritas has a real scoop on CNN has yet to be refuted by CNN, has yet to be addressed by CNN. That's number one. Number two, Twitter decides to silence the voice that has a major scoop on CNN. And by the way, it's not just Twitter. Project Veritas has struggled. YouTube has shut them down in the past. Others have shut them down. So you have someone who has something to say that is derogatory for one of the major big media players, and big tech is joining and shutting him down. That's pretty extraordinary, isn't it? I mean, as I I tweeted something like, our tech overlords are having a great week. I mean, shutting us down. That's that's an extraordinary uh, power to be played upon us by Twitter. And, you know, you can say to yourself, well, I mean, and I was having this discussion uh, last evening. I, I, I met a, a friend uh, after work and we were discussing it over, over a, uh, a uh, I guess, a meal, a little supper. And we were saying, um, I was saying, look, it's, it's not so much the ones you see. When Project Veritas gets shut down, you see that. When, uh, when General Mike Flynn gets uh, blocked on Twitter, when Donald Trump gets blocked on Twitter, those are the ones you see. But the sophistication of big tech is that they can silence you, silence voices without you even knowing. 
because they never have to make a press release, right? I mean, they don't have to say anything. In the case of Project Veritas, they did answer the question, why are you shutting us down? They said, because you have fake accounts. But I've heard others that say that they get a YouTube demonetizes a video. And when you ask why, they say, because you said something you shouldn't have said, but they won't go through and tell you what it is. So you're sort of guessing what the crime was or what the violation was. That's a better word. So think about what is the what the dynamic is now in terms of uh, in terms of how people can figure out what's really true, because, again, they don't announce when they silence this voice. They don't announce when they the phrase people use is shadow ban, where they decide to prioritize other things. I have said for a long time, I'm not exactly controversial. I mean, I'm not hugely controversial, but I think I say some things. But we work hard to try to bump up my Twitter followers and I'm just stuck. And I, I really don't. I've worked with people that know how they do these things. I just, at a certain point, I say, I don't think they want to amplify my voice. That's my feeling. Now, that could be true or it could not be true, but I don't know. And now that you see CNN say what they said and you have Twitter shut down Project Veritas because of what CNN said, you say to yourself, it's not just what we um, are able to see is kept from us or blocked. It's what else is out there, you know, and and doubt in the uh, in the um, in the in the system. In other words, doubting that the system is in any way balanced or playing by the rules makes you think to yourself, what are we not seeing? Right. What are we not seeing? What is being kept from us? What is being steered from us? What is having the effect of uh, of of being uh, off our radar? And that's the power, as I've used to say before the election, what big tech can do is control what you see. And therefore, what you know, and then it can shape what you do, right? If big tech can control what you see, steering away from you, the truths, you know, the other day someone did a search on DuckDuckGo and on Google, and the search was riots today. And on DuckDuckGo, there were dozens of entries about the riots in Minneapolis. And on Google, the articles were about riots in the USA today, like three weeks ago, referring to January 1st, uh, January 6th. So it's like two different universes. But again, if the power of big tech is to shape what you see and that becomes what you know, and you only act on what you know, right? You only do something. So they can control what you see, therefore what you know, and therefore what you're likely to do. This is something that's unheard of in our lives. And it's almost impossible to escape it. You can't. It's hard to be a digital Amish. It's hard to be the digital Amish. I mean, I've seen it, but it's tough. Looks tough. It's hard to do. And it's not clear how government can uh, can police it. It's not it's not clear to me how um, how you could ask a regulatory body or something. It's not even clear. And I'll just say it with a sigh how and I like the idea of breaking up some of the big tech companies, but it's, it's hard to see how the breakup, how, how it would work because it's not geographic. And so I guess it would be on businesses, business types. I don't know. Um, you know, Amazon, I could picture they could break up different sort of business types or something. But still, it's 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 almost um, it's almost uh, the problem. It seems almost uh, almost beyond um, uh, understanding the possibilities. But but back to this point, while big media is brainwashing us with images that they want us to see, big tech is giving us controlling what we see and therefore what we know and what we do. And. James O'Keefe 
is just an example. Yet again, he's giving us more another data point on the power of the forces that are at least against us in terms of the truth and at worst against us in terms of what our interests are for our nation. So all right, we better take a break. When we come back. We'll talk with Don uh, McQueenie from the Reefs Across America and then Noah Dingley, our great technical director. We'll take a break. Be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Been looking forward to this conversation for a while. If you haven't heard about Wreaths Across America, it's only because you've probably seen what they do each year, and then it maybe goes off your radar for a while. But Wreaths Across America is an organization, and I, I'll make sure, I, I know it's a nonprofit. I, the backstory of how it was founded is, uh, is maybe a little lost to me, but um, it, it began it, it is service to make sure that there are wreaths on the graves of our fallen uh, soldiers and sailors and airmen across the country. And uh, let me welcome right away, though, uh, Todd, Todd Queenie, who, because Todd is, uh, has a um, education, um, I'm getting it wrong, uh, Don Queenie, guys, uh, let me get the right term, it's education exhibit that will explain everything, and it's actually in California. Don, welcome to the program, first of all. How are you? Yeah, very good, Ed. Thank you, and I hope you're doing well. Doing great. Give me the thumbnail of the history of Reach Across America. feels like, to me, it's been around forever, but walk me through the timeline. So uh, back in 1991, our founder, Moral Worcester, was a wreath and still is a wreath maker in uh, what we call Down East Maine. It's a rural part of Maine that uh, grows the balsam uh, that's necessary to make a good wreath. He was under contract with the likes of L.L. Bean and Land's End and had an overrun of the material. He, he tipped a few too many trees and had makings for about 5,000 wreaths too many when the season came to an end. He had been to uh, Arlington National Cemetery as a young boy, made some calls, and was able to get those 5,000 wreaths brought down to Arlington with a buddy of his, and they drove a truck down, and they placed these wreaths in one of the oldest sections of Arlington National Cemetery. When they were done, he stepped back and thought it looked so good that he decided to do it again next year. And for 14 years in a row, he did just that. He brought 5,000 wreaths to Arlington National Cemetery. It became a family tradition, bringing all the kids. And after a while, people started coming around and helping and all. And it was growing a little bit, but not until there was a uh, iconic picture of a snowfall uh, there with the uh, white snow, the green balsam, the red bows on the white headstones that went viral. And that started, that started the uh, national interest in what he was doing. So uh, that year, uh, they, start, they, they formed uh, Reaches Across America, the, the nonprofit that we know of today. And uh, that first year, we, we had 33,000 wreaths donated or sponsored, as we say, uh, to the year before last, where we, we grew to 2.2 uh, million wreaths at 2,700 different locations around the country. Wow. And is it um, when you when people, uh, a local community picks this up, because Arlington's known, but other communities do this, right? So do communities say, well, we've got a, a cemetery across town that has a certain number of uh, veterans, is it? And then they sort of organize it themselves. Has it become kind of a self-organizing thing? Self-organizing. That's a good way to put it. It's all grassroots. Every one of our locations is, uh, is com- has come to us by a volunteer of some sort that has stood up and said, um, what about my what about my veterans in my town? I want this to be part of that. And without we call that a location coordinator. And uh, without those location coordinators, we'd be nothing. So uh, that's how it that's how it happens. Yes, Arlington is the obviously the poster child of all national cemeteries. But uh, that lonely church on a red dirt road somewhere with ten veterans in behind it can be a reach across America location just as well. 
And uh, and and the the do you stick to Memorial Day? Is it Memorial Day that is the sort of focus, or do people uh, move their celebrate you know their commemoration to other days? No, this all happens on on national reads across America Day. There is such a thing. It's uh, unanimously uh, done bipartisan uh, through Congress to give us that date, and it's the third Saturday in December. So it's not a Memorial. Oh, day, sorry, it's not on Veterans Day. Oh, it's not yeah, Memorial. It's fine. Oh yeah, no, that's good. This is all. This is what. This is what this is all about teaching, and that is our motto: yeah. to remember, honor, and teach. Um, so we do all. We do all this on the third Saturday. Sometimes it falls on the fourth, but it's usually or second. It's all according to the calendar. This year is December eighteenth, and um, we will be uh, hopefully uh, out of COVID. And uh, we did. We had a good year last year. We still uh, we increased by over three hundred new locations last year, right in the middle of a pandemic. We laid 1.7 million wreaths safely, and uh, within all kinds of guidelines and necessary, everybody got very, very creative, and we still got it done. And uh, we're looking forward to a good year this year, at uh, December 18th. Uh, and and tell me now about again we're we're talking right now with uh, Don Queenie who is uh, helping uh, uh, his by the way his email which he gave me is D Queenie with Queenie with an E in the middle of the E Y and I'll put it up on social media at wreathsacrossamerica.org. dot uh, org but you have this exhibit that's going around uh, teaching people about what the what what this all means and as you say why we'd educate about it tell, tell us exactly what that is and where people can find out more exactly so. Our motto, once again, is remember, honor, teach. Remember our fallen, honor those who've served, and teach our, just, our next generation the importance of freedom. So this uh, noble education exhibit is uh, on the road and has been for a couple of years now. Um, but uh, we just finished up a nice campaign in Texas. We're actually in Utah today at the uh, Washington County Fair in St. George. And uh, we'll be into San Diego and uh, running up the coast starting on the 24th of April. 24th of April, we're two days at two different uh, Harley dealerships in San Diego, and then working our way up to Huntington Beach, Bakersfield, and then above uh, Sacramento into some of the small towns, which we love the most, um, Grass Valley and uh, Auburn and Willow and uh, Sacramento itself. So um, people can find this this itinerary on our our, Facebook, for sure, uh, Beats Across America official page. And on our website, uh, readsacrossamerica.org, if you look for special events, you can track um, the mobile education exhibit. It's a uh, 48-foot trailer with multiple slides. It has a little theater inside. Um, We uh, welcome uh, welcome home the Vietnam veterans that we happen to meet, and then we teach uh, anybody that wants to learn a little bit more about the – about where we've where we've come as at a country as a country, and also we try to teach people more about Reads Across America and how they can honor the veterans uh, on National Reads Across America Day. Now, um, so do, how do schools fit in? I mean, I, I hope to all that we pray for in this country that next year we're going to have our schools back, almost everybody back in, in in person. But I mean, how do how do you how do you tap into the schools? I think you would think in a, in a way that I mean, as a total compliment, there's not there's not really a partisan angle to this. You just you know, it does, as you said, the no. unanimous uh, uh, a commemoration of uh, Reese Across America Day. So, uh, you know, how do the schools fit in? Have you have you tell me how some of that yeah. happens? So we've done some great things at some schools before COVID, uh, but you know what? There's a few schools out there that have been finding a way to make it happen, and we've actually been to a few schools just recently. Um, but let's get COVID out of the picture. I'd love to not even talk about that anymore. We have been um, at we have been and do uh, bring our trailer to the schools and bring the classes on through. 
Uh, one of the I, I drove this for a number of years as a volunteer before I became an employee and we expanded the whole project. But uh, one of my best um, times ever doing this, we were in front of an elementary school and they brought the kids through and we had about uh, 15 veterans. Most of them were Vietnam vets that volunteered to um, stand outside and help control the crowd, if you will. But uh, the kids uh, were able to meet these veterans and ask questions and then they came through the trailer and then they had more questions and they had question and answer periods outside the trailer. Um, the children will uh, often uh, get these uh, coloring pages we have where they can color in a uh, wreath and then write a note to soldiers and, and what have you to our servicemen and women. And we often um, will put those in with care packages that others are sending out or uh, we've even my USO here near Norfolk, Virginia, where I am, have displayed them in their offices. So, you know, we've uh, I've had as many as 600 students through this education trailer before in a day. That, that'll wear you out, but uh, but um, it's it's just an opportunity to to help the teachers that are teaching this sort of curriculum from time to time and making sure they the school administration is working hard to make sure that some of these students are know who the veterans in the community are and what they have done for us and what it's all about and this just helps it, you know exemplify that and teach them a little bit about. Um, the price of freedom, right? Let the, these national cemeteries and every flag that you see in that churchyard as you drive to work on Veterans Day, you see that flag. Um, somebody has paid the ultimate price, and we just cannot forget them. We must remember them all. Yeah, it really is. Um, it's a fantastic, and 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 the the, the founder is still alive. He, he he's um how, what what's his uh, is, is the company still? I mean, obviously going strong, but is the company still family owned? Is it? Tell me a little bit about yeah, that family but, again. Yeah. So this all started with a Worcester Reed Company. So our, our founder, Moral, Moral Worcester, is alive and well and uh, works on making sure that he has enough material to make these wreaths. Um, you know, there is a separation there between uh, the, the, the Moral and, and the, uh, the charity that we have to try to keep. But, um, right. yeah, the family, most of the, most of the uh, board, um, a number of the board, a number on the board are, are Worcesters. And the Worcesters are the ones who started this, and they're the ones that, uh, you know, it takes a lot of infrastructure to make um, and have enough material to make two million wreaths. And um, right. we, we produ- the, 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 the contractor, i.e. Worcester, who provides us with all our wreaths, uh, provides all of that material themselves. We don't import any. We don't mm. buy from others. We take care of it all of ourselves. Mm-hmm. So it's a constant <laughs> year-round battle to be able to provide to that contractor yeah. to Wreaths Across America. So it's really quite unbelievable. I encourage anybody to uh, to visit. We have a, a wonderful remembrance program where we invite people to come into the forest where um, where these trees are tipped. That's the term: is we tip the trees. We don't you don't cut a tree down to make a, a wreath. You just tip the branches, and you, if you uh-huh. take care of those trees, you can go back to them every three years and make new tips. Hmm. So we encourage people wow. to come up, and uh, we 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 will make a dog tags for a loved one that is served. And they can, hmm. uh, people can put these dog tags in the trees. That's their tree. No one else will tag that tree. And you'll know that your wow. your family tree uh, is uh, making wreaths every three years to honor our veterans. Currently, we have something hmm. close to 10,000 10, of these dog tags in the uh, trees in Columbia Fall, Maine, on our tip land. Um, to listen to it in a breeze is amazing, but even better to drive through there at night and see your headlights reflecting off of these dog tags. It'll send a chill. Mm. It's going to chill up your back. Wow. It's, it's beautiful. 
Wow. Well, listen, thank you uh, for coming on, Don, and for helping us uh, educate us about it. And I, we will uh, keep it on, I'll keep it on my list of uh, great causes to promote. And, and I'm glad that the, uh, the wreathsacrossamerica.org uh, website, uh, wreathsacrossamerica.org, and the uh, exhibit, which is M-E slash M-E-E, uh, Mobile Education Exhibit. You can find out more about that. That's wreathsacrossamerica.org slash M-E-E, as in Mobile Education Exhibit. Don, thanks very much for the time, and we'll talk again soon. God bless you. Thank you, sir. Thank you for caring enough to ask us to be on. I appreciate it. All right. We'll take a break, everybody. We'll come right back. It's a very interesting, uh, especially that they're out on the West Coast. It's great. We'll, we'll take a break. Be right back. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Be back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on Pro-America Report. I promised you it was, uh, you know, late in the week as everybody's getting ready for their uh, weekend. You want to sit back. I did get a couple of the folks. I tried to ignore them. A couple of the folks that said to me, hey, that was fun when Noah was on. We hear you thank Noah. Talk about Noah. That was fun a few weeks ago when Noah was on. And, uh, of course, they hear Noah Dingley on the on the Answer San Diego on some of his own programming and other places. He does a lot of work on Andrea Kay's show. You'll hear him occasionally. So I thought, well, let's go ahead and talk. You know, it's late in the week and it's kind of people want a little more Noah so I thought let's bring him on and this is where I'm going to put him on the spot and 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 get him stuck with half of the uh listening audience so Noah let's talk a little baseball now you're a Dodgers fan how can you live in San Diego and be a Dodgers fan well I moved to San Diego back in about 1986 when my family came down to San Diego my dad well that was enough time ago you should have converted and you should have converted I wasn't about to give up my <laughs> tremendous fandom uh, in the Dodger franchise, I have wait, wait. You moved in eighty six since I could walk. Probably even you moved in eighty six, and from everything Tommy Lasorda and Oral Hershiser and Steve Sachs, I'm keeping the blue blood flowing. And well, to this day, I have well, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. Big Dodgers wait, fan, you, and now that I have two sons, you, one of them is actually a huge Dodgers fan as well. So keeping it in the family. Am I on mute here? You just you're just talking over me. Um, I, now we're talking with Noah Dingley. Now Noah, hold on. You moved here in '86. You moved to San Diego in '86. The last time until last year that the Dodgers had won the World Series was what year? 1988, before their win in 2020. There you go. That's what I just was checking. That's it a long been time a while. ever since you've been here. All right. But let's talk about this because you are a good baseball fan. Um, Dodgers look strong. They're like um, 101 and zero, or they've lost like one game, 11 and two, I think. The last time we checked, could be could be off. But wh- what about the Padres? Now you've watched the Padres. Give me your give me your real assessment. Now for our listeners, you should know I'm a Cardinals fan, so we we we, um, we always win, and we don't always win at all, but we always are winners. But what about the Padres? Is this the year that they're going to really put it together? A lot of your experts have said they expect them to win 90-plus games, and some of our diehard Padre fans here at the radio station think that's a little generous. I'm hoping that they do, and here's why. Because I think if the Padres are more competitive, that makes for a better National League West. And as long as the Dodgers are at the top, and I believe they will stay there because they have a pretty <laughs> awesome team this year. Again, as you said, I think it's about 11-2 and two is the record. We should be absolutely fine. And Kershaw is on his game. And when Kershaw is doing well, you're doing well. 
Yeah, is um, I get the thing for me is that I, you know, as I've watched baseball, and I'm spoiled because the Cardinals, you know, for 25 years that I've been when I lived in St. Louis, all those years they were always either good or, or good the next year. But uh, but you know, certain teams, you kind I kind of find myself rooting that they they sort of break through, you know, and you you want them to have some. Uh, it, frankly, it used to be the Houston Astros, you know, a decade or 15 years ago. I I just wanted them to do better because they always seem to never put it together. I feel that way about the Padres. All right, who else or what else are you looking at out there? I mean, what do you think? Hey, let me ask you this. How how badly as a good baseball fan? How badly were you frustrated by their moving the All Star game? Extremely frustrated. I don't care what your political stance is. One thing I have always loved about whether it's entertainment or sports is I go there to escape reality. I go there to relax. And so for them to bring politics into why the All Star game shouldn't be in Georgia, it is not acceptable on on any level. Mm-hmm. But are you to the point where you would stop going to baseball? Or stop Here's watching? what I'm going to do, and this is what I um, have decided, and I've thought about it. I'm probably going to think about it more. I'm not watching the All-Star game this year, and I'm a huge All-Star game fan. Won't watch it. I will watch the regular baseball season, and hopefully more politics don't enter into the MLB. And if they do, I might have to reevaluate at that point. But as of right now, I'm not watching the All-Star game this year, unfortunately. The... Um it's uh, that's that's I I have a mixed feeling about it. On one level, I you know I, I my thought to myself was it's so expensive. You know, you try it now with my family. You know, we have six of us. When my wife and I and the four kids go to the game, which we used to do when the kids were really young, now it's six of us, and um, you know, it's it costs a fortune. And so I kind of said to myself, you know what, I might maybe I won't go. Uh, to the ballpark this year. Maybe I just won't worry about it, and I'll see. Uh, you know, I'll see what. Uh, and, but I, it's hard to give up baseball. You know, it's it's hard for me to. You know, I <laughs> I saw we had on the show. Uh, I think it was. Um, I think it was Craig Shirley. Do you remember he had a piece on baseball, and he said maybe people will get over baseball, and and, and lacrosse will become the national pastime. I thought that, that, that doesn't. I'm not. I'm not willing to. There's a lot of things I'll give up on. I mean, but that's that's too far. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm not really a huge sports guy in general, not a football fan at all. Uh, I can enjoy basketball with with the right friends. It's not something that bores me. I've never been a big football guy. For me, it's baseball and wrestling, honestly. And so Hmm. to take baseball away from me, it's, it's, it's driving me crazy that it has become politicized. Yeah. All right. Let me uh, switch over and ask you, because you're a media professional, you've seen a lot of radio, you've seen a lot of written, um, and you and I have talked uh, off the air and even on, on my program you hear me talking about, it, but the um, the uh, the media at this point, I mean... I can't put the t- I can't put the TV on because I-, I just know that they're lying on sort of all sides, and I guess I mean it's same thing with uh, radio. I-, I really don't even bother trying to cut through radio news. I mean I I go find it on the internet for myself, but it feels like we're sort of at the bottom of the breakdown of the media. We really are, and I think people are having a hard time deciphering who they can trust and who they can't trust. I mean, the big story with CNN coming out and basically admitting the other day that they were using propaganda to get President Trump out of the White House blew my mind. And there's so many other things that they were doing. But that's where I feel blessed to have worked for Salem Media for quite some time. We take journalism and truth and honesty so sincerely Uh, so professionally and we want the truth given at the end of the day and I think people if they take what they find out here on your program on my program Andrea's program and they do their own research they're going to find there's a lot of what we say that is the truth
Yeah, I think that's the. Th- I think that's the. Um, I think you're right. The people are frustrated. And you know, uh, and here's another question for you. We're talking with Noah Dingley, of course, uh, our the great producer of the show, and then also has his own show and helps a lot of others others at the uh, Answer San Diego. Um, what are the you know our show does not do uh, uh, listener calls. Andrea takes listener calls. A lot, some, a lot of the other programs, not a lot, many of the other programs do. What's your feeling? Um, how have you felt? The uh, the listeners are feeling that's a crazy sentence, but you you hear from more listeners. You're on the phone with more listeners, calling into the station and calling into what, what's what's the sort of feeling? What are you what are you sensing amongst listeners amongst Americans? It's a mixed bag, and here the, at the end of the day, the people that I'm not even going to say conservative because that's not fair. I actually know many liberals that are good, decent people, and they don't like what's going on in the White House because people supposed. Democrats, which they're actually just far leftist, communistic, Marxist politicians, uh, are not what they voted for. It's you know it's really sad, but they can't give up hope because they believe that America's best days are ahead. If people that believe in this country stand up for this country. I think that we can actually get it back to where it needs to be. America is not where it needs to be right now. People on both sides of the aisle, whether you're conservative or a classic liberal, both completely agree with that. America is on dangerous footing. However, if we all stand up for what is right, I think we can get America back. Yeah, it's um, but uh, let me ask you back, though, um, Calls and folks, you know, or maybe uh, your friends and neighbors, are, are they relieved that Trump's out? You know, that, oh, it's over, you know, and, and they didn't know that it was going to be like this. I mean, a lot of your friends are more conservative, I imagine. But, you know, what it, I, it doesn't I haven't seen I haven't sensed, although I wish I would uh, sort of buyer's remorse yet. I haven't seen that yet. I've seen a little bit of it. And here's what I will say. We're winding down here, Ed. But at the end of the day. I had a lot of friends that were not conservatives or even that were conservatives and did not like Trump. But they actually could not deny economically what he did for this country. And even my liberal friends, my liberal family members are saying, you know what? We really wish as much as we didn't like Trump, he was still in office because where this country is, as I said moments ago, or where it is headed is not what they want. This is not what America is all about. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And I think uh, more and more, as you say, uh, folks are finding, uh, you know, on the on the radio station, on the network, uh, people they can trust. Although I do think you said something and maybe you meant it, but I heard it even more intentionally. I think people are looking, they just find people they trust, right? They'll trust Tucker, right? They'll trust Andrea Kay. They just find the one they trust. They don't even try to trust like Fox News because sometimes uh, they, they get frustrated at Brett Baer, right? Or whatever. So they find, okay, I'll trust this one. Uh, I think it's a very personal kind of thing. It may be in this kind of moment, but all right, Noah Dingley, as always, thank you for all the stuff you do for everybody at The Answer San Diego for being a all around good guy. We appreciate it. And uh, we will not join you in rooting for the Dodgers, uh, but we will uh, join you in rooting for baseball to come around. So thanks for the time. Uh, you're welcome. And I will close and saying this, Ed, there is always room for you in the big blue heaven. There you go. All right. All right. We'll take a break. I'll be right back. Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. And let's cover something. This is very important and very interesting news. I want to uh, share this with you. You recall how the CEO's 
uh, in Georgia, after the Georgia law passed that's had tightened up the election integrity, um, Delta, Coca-Cola, Major League Baseball, all protested about the uh, this law, and they got all agitated, right? You recall that. Now down in Texas, there are a bunch of CEOs that are pressuring the legislature to not do real reform. Well, a, ho- a hundred or so of the <clears throat> most famous CEOs and some retired CEOs ran an advertisement in the New York Times and the Washington Post. I think that's where they ran it. That said, you know, we support uh, access to voting and we oppose all voter suppression laws. And many, many CEOs signed it, but some didn't. And some didn't, including Jamie Dimon, who's a big Wall Street guy, as well as the CEO of Walmart. Walmart didn't sign it. And people immediately, <clears throat> excuse me, in the New York Times, <clears throat> immediately started targeting these CEOs. In fact, the front, uh, a, a lengthy, not a front page, but a, a lengthy, bold um, article reporting on this, uh, the CEOs said, you know, how can it be that some CEOs didn't sign up? And so you can see that the sort of broader, the forget the cancel culture, that's cleaner, call it the pressure culture, the pressure culture, the you know peer pressure culture of this, uh, the woke mob is exerting itself on these big businesses. Now, many of the conservative states are just doing what they want to do. This is, this is, by the way, an echo of the old fight over abortion and over um, uh, gay marriage and things like that, where the businesses would say, you know, if you're too hardline on this, we won't be able to have our businesses here. And you had to make a decision. And so a lot of that's a big thing. In fact, uh, Mike Pence, when he was governor of Indiana, you'll recall, he, um, he caved to the pressure of the NCAA and others on one of the religious protection uh, acts that was passed at the local level. But be that as it may... This is the fight right now. So the question you have to ask is when a Washington Examiner report yesterday or so, or maybe earlier today, when it came out and it quoted the Coca-Cola leadership saying something like, well, maybe we shouldn't be so hard line on some of these things. There's two sides to everything. And people that have concerns about voter elections should be heard. You wanted to say to yourself, what did the Coca-Cola CEO know? Because you remember there's a famous moment uh, when someone asked Michael Jordan about politics. And it was it was while I think he was still either playing or, or around the time he was retiring. He didn't have as much distance from it as he does now. In fact, I think now he's much more politically active. But back then, he was still young enough in his professional career as a pitch man, not just it could have been after he had finished playing, but it might have been right towards the end of his playing career. But he was asked and he said, uh, you know, someone said, are, are you Republican or Democrat? Are you going to support this or that? And he said, Republicans buy sneakers, too. That has generally been the position of big CEOs and big businesses is to say, you know, we're selling sneakers or, or uh, cola. We're not going to get into these other things. But that's clearly changed. And my, the point I want to tell you is what's changed about it, and I know you think I'm a broken record, but I'm not. I'm just right. What's changed about it is the fact that machine is so effective at hammering home this message. That's what's so effective about it, is hammering home the message on what's exactly happening and what they want to have happen. So you have big tech, which is agitating in the direction of the the, the, the pressure culture, not the cancel culture, but the pressure culture, the, the woke pressure culture of on the CEOs and businesses. Big tech is pushing that hard. Big media is pushing it hard. But here's the wrinkle. It's come to the point where big government under Joe Biden, it's pretty clear 
that Joe Biden's got a team around him, if not him, that is willing to utilize and use the power that they have pretty darn ruthlessly, pretty darn ruthlessly. And therefore, if you're a businessman and you're watching, you know, this is the old example, though, I've always said about big, uh, big government as big government's grown. You know, there's a million ways that the federal government can make your life miserable if you're a business. There's the EPA. Almost every business gets impacted by the EPA. There's uh, OSHA, you know, health standards. There's taxes. There's, um, you know, uh, interstate commerce, international rules, all kinds of things that can be invoked as a part of how the government can get to you. And now the government can use the power of big tech and big media and its own power to sort of build the narrative. And the last thing you want to do, right, is be bigoted and be targeted. If you're bigoted and targeted, you're worried and you're worried and you're, you're worried and you're in the community you live in. That's another part of this is they make it so in the community you live in, you get a lot of grief. But certainly in the broader uh, community, you know, they mess with your stock price. You know, they'll give you bad attention and they'll make your life miserable. And if you're a CEO, you just want to navigate that. By the way, let's do a hat tip. Can we do a hat tip? Tip of the hat to the people at Chick-fil-A for navigating this pretty darn well because they're pretty conservative. They've caved a little bit, by the way, on some of their core things, I think on some of the gay issues or marriage issues and stuff. But but in general, they got the target off their back. And I wonder how, actually. I wonder how they did that. I wouldn't be surprised if there's some, you know, uh, uh, some sort of with the old Jesse Jackson Rainbow Coalition thing where, you know, you just have to pay for consulting services and we'll back everybody off. That's a, that's a pretty good trick if you're uh, back in the day, the Jesse Jackson move that worked pretty well. So, but that's an interesting one. The C- CEOs being targeted by the uh, pressure culture, the peer pressure culture. And then, though, some like uh, Coca-Cola that are suddenly saying maybe it's not worth it to get on the wrong side of half the country. Maybe that's not worth the trouble. That, that, that Maybe that's a miscalculation. So we'll see about that. All right, everybody. Thank you, as always, to our great technical director, Noah uh, for leading us and keeping things going on time. Thank you to your guests, and we thank you for our great guests. Don't forget, visit ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com, and sign up for your daily Wink email and see these interviews, and I will talk to you tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Thanks for listening.